0: Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that works its way into every corner of the property world. Today we're talking forestry and asking, can you get back to nature and make
1: some serious money
0: at the same time?
1: There's increasing use of timber in construction. There's increasing need for sustainable development. There are massive supply-side restrictions and very hard to see why demand would start dropping.
2: And if you can, have you got the patience for it? It's the slowness of the market that makes it attractive. You're capturing biological growth that goes on for decades. So providing your time horizon and investment is a long enough period, your value will always go up.
0: I'm Guy Ruddle and here to answer those and other questions is James Adamson. He's head of UK forestry for Savills. He's spent 20 years in the sector and last year he was involved in forest valuation projects worth more than £2 billion.
2: Hello James, how do you value a forest? Every forest is different, so you value what you see in front of you but uh, it's the sum of the trees and the sum of the land and uh, various attributes that you take account of it's not the same as valuing uh, a conventional property because there is no such thing as the average forest
0: yeah and also with us is mark townsend who has the magnificent title of senior forestry and arboriculture manager is that right did i get that right yeah excellent he's got nothing on james he's only been in this business for 15 years and a mere new boy and mark your speciality is sort of tree management is that right
1: yeah tree management in the round, free risk, and um, woodland management as well. <clears throat> so my first question to both of you is, do you have to love trees to do this job? It certainly lo- helps loving being outdoors. I mean, that's what got me into the industry in the first place.
2: Well, I grew up in Galloway, which is the most forested part of the UK. So if you didn't love trees, you didn't want to be there. So I've, uh, I've been involved with trees for a very long time. And stupid question number
0: two to both of you. When we're talking about forestry, are we talking about... Forests of tall, straight trees, softwood trees that, you know, that are lovely and even and, and, and laid out in rows. Or are we talking about everything?
2: There's a, there is a definition that forestry is basically the plantation business of growing trees for profit, and woodland is more generic. So it, they're interchangeable terms, but in the context of forestry, you're talking about plantation forestry. So what sort of a market
0: is this? I imagine it's not the world's fastest-moving market.
2: um the forestry market in the uk probably about 40 years old it's it's grown up in the 1970s and 80s as a tax-driven market and what we've seen is what was very much a niche market becoming far more i think trendy is perhaps a word you could use certainly and accessible to a wider number of people and that has is the market that we see now so the market we see now really is quite young
0: yeah But having said that, markets it it may be young, but it looks like it's a a really thriving (laughs) growth. I didn't plan that, but, you know, fast-growing market. If you look at last year, you know, the sort of values of of, of forestry that was traded were up, was it like 30% on the year before?
1: There's two separate markets. There's the the land trading, the actually buying and selling of, of the forest, and then there's the timber markets, separate to that so on the first bit you've got large blocks of woodland up in Scotland in the north of the country then in the south you've got smaller what might be seen as amenity woodlands and they've the prices per hectare of those have gone up massively over the last 10 years, partly driven through lifestyle buyers who are buying small bits of English countryside.
2: It's important now to differentiate the the, the, the forestry market for commercial timber and the market for lifestyle woodlands. The report that we've got here, the spotlight report, looks at, at woodlands that are above a certain threshold. And that market is is a slightly different thing. It's about finding an alternative home for money. It's a great alternative asset class. But I think... You mentioned before, the market must be very slow. It's the slowness of the market that makes it attractive. You're capturing biological growth that goes on for decades. So providing your time horizon and your investment is a long enough period, you will, you know, your value will always go up.
0: So I guess the key question is that level of performance going to carry on
2: my crystal ball <laughs> oh, <laughs> <there>. <laughs> my,
0: I, I, I suspect we might get slightly different answers here james which, what do you think first
2: of all well the, something that underpins the whole forestry value concept is the price of timber so you're, the the answer to that is entirely linked to what does the price of timber do and
0: are you basically saying that that's almost impossible to predict or are you saying that it's going to be fine
2: Mark and I have had this discussion today. It's a, it's a commodity play.
0: So what do you think, Mark?
1: It's
2: um, saying it's about the macroeconomics and looking at what's going
1: on in the wider economy. There is increasing use of timber in construction. There's increasing need for sustainable development. Trees and timber are being mentioned in more and more parts of the economy, not just in traditional countryside policy. So there doesn't seem to be any reason why the demand for timber is going to fall off unless there is an economy-wide shock, such as the 2008 financial crisis, where construction fell off a cliff. But if the continuing pressure to build more houses, using more timber in those houses. See, that's, that's
0: exactly what I imagined. And you add in the whole concept of natural capital, you add in public money for public
2: good and all those sorts of things. But, you're, but, but James, you're shaking your head. The key point, and we haven't mentioned it yet, is global population. 6 billion people now, 9 billion people forecast in the next 35 years. Most of that extra population will be in countries that haven't really gone into a non-timber using phase. So in 2015, there were 3 billion cubic metres of wood removed, cut, felled around the world, half of which was burnt for fuel, heat. It was used in a a very short-term way to provide basic services for the population. 3 billion more people, many of whom will fall into that category, is going to put huge pressure on our global wood resource, pressure that we've not even seen starting to kick in yet. So couple that with the desire to mitigate climate change by protecting forests, and you have a sort of near-perfect storm in the long term for timber prices because you have protection of the natural forest resource, you have far more emphasis on plantation forests taking up the slack, and then you chuck in another 30% 30% growth in the population all wanting to use it. And and, and actually, the, the fundamental case for timber is actually really, really strong.
0: Okay, so it sounds like a perfect storm, but let me play devil's advocate. What are the, what are the risks, Mark? What, what could go
1: wrong? When, when prices have gone down, it's been very short term. So when the crisis happened in 2007-8, the timber market dropped for about two years beyond that it carried on pretty much rising both in supply and price so the demand outstripped and so there was still an upward trend and the the pressures going forward on demand seem to be even greater and the supply has got unless we import it and we import 80 percent of our of our timber at the moment if there's greater global demand that's going to become even costlier but there's a 30 to 40 year lead time on growing the trees so even if we start planting now from a low point that of new woodland creation that we're at, at the minute we're still looking at 30 years before that planting becomes productive in its final phases so that there are massive supply side restrictions and very hard to see why demand would start dropping.
0: So it looks like a great investment, but it's a really, really, really long-term investment. So who's investing? Who Who's buying
2: woodland at the moment? What we see in the UK is a market that is becoming increasingly focused on the commodity side and therefore is institutionalising a little bit. Big funds, um, big family offices, repeat investors, um, people who can afford to buy scale. Because actually, forestry itself is incredibly inefficient in terms of its income production you know tree plant it 50 years later you cut it down it pays you out once that's it so you wait a long long time to get your money so if you're a a small scale investor now yes it's nice to have some but it's not a particularly efficient investment and so you're relying on capital growth but if you're a big scale investor if you're constantly chopping down trees from lots of different properties it's a very, it becomes much more efficient. The income starts to flow. You've got capital appreciation going alongside. So it, it, it's really anyone who is looking for a long-term investment, never less than 10 years. And quite frankly, it shouldn't be less than 20 years. Um, it's probably free cash. It doesn't necessarily suit borrowing because it's a long-term investment with a limited income. And uh, it's about diversification. Parking money aside, it's effectively a type of a bank Right. Because that's what the timber is. It's a store of biological value, effectively. So it's a sort of bank of forestry. Mm. And Mark, the, the,
0: for forest, own, forestry owners, or, or even woodland owners, is this a, a, an area where there's innovation? and can, Are there ways of maximising the, the value of your forestry, or is it pretty much plant,
1: weight, harvest? The underlying principles of growing trees is pretty much plant weight. But what you're waiting for and what you use the product can change significantly. More and more timbers going into construction, different types of construction, glulam beam, engineered timbers, they're all using different bits of trees. So whilst it's all timber and it's all a tree, you can actually use different species, different parts of the tree for different products. So there is innovation going on in that regards as to how the timber is then used, which diversifies the market. The harvested crop can go into That's fascinating.
0: I've learned a lot in the last uh, 15, 20 minutes, Uh, an awful lot, actually. Now, Savile's standout statistic. Now, you've been warned about this, gents. Uh, We need a statistic, something that's a little bit of a sort of wow, or that might make people go, ooh, or something like, or raise their eyebrows, who wants to go first with their Savile standout stat? Well, I'll
2: go first, because actually we've just been talking about timber, and I, here's, here's a timber one. So I, I had a look at the, the, the figures. If you take exactly 10 years ago, March 2009, if you cut down a hectare of good quality spruce timber, you would expect probably to get around seventeen, eighteen thousand 18,000 pounds of income from that hectare. You cut it down this month now, exactly the same product, could be in exactly the same hill. You could double that thirty-five thousand plus, maybe forty thousand, depending on the spot price of timber for that particular location. What's changed? Uh, the timber price. Nothing else. Same trees, s- same hills, same technology, cutting them down, same people managing them. Just purely the timber price. Uh, Mark, <laughs> on
1: we're going just going back one to the where well, we were talking about novel uses of of timber and and innovation. Use of trees for biomass and heat and fuel plants has increased massively over the last 10 years. And that has driven most of the growth in delivered in um, ty- uh, fibre that's being used to the extent that one plant in Kent needs 270,000 tonnes a year just to keep the lights on. So one biomass plant? One biomass plant.
0: 270,000 thing is i'm not sure how much that how, how that, <laughs>
1: what does the tree weigh <laughs> that's about 40 uh, 35 arctic lorries a week wow and, this is crazy and that thing. heats about 40,000 homes or electricity for about 40,000 homes
0: never fails to deliver the Savills Standout Stat. Guys, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much for, for, for coming all the way to the studio from your respective parts of the country uh, and telling us all about all that stuff. Uh, have you enjoyed it? Yes, yes. It's, been, it's been very interesting. Good. Yes. Excellent. Well, it's been more interesting for us than it, than it has been for you. So thank you very much for that. Um, that's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If all that's done is left you wanting to find out more, then you can find the Spotlight on Forestry report on the research section of the Savills website, savils.co.uk Slash /research or you can find a link in the episode information of this podcast and if you want to make sure that no one knows more than you when talk inevitably turns to property then please subscribe to us using your usual podcast provider you can even rate us or review us if you want to in the meantime thanks for listening see you next time
2: this
1: podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.